Welcome, friends. Welcome, Vulcans, as we celebrate Star Trek's First Contact Day. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everyone listening terrestrially and beyond as we celebrate Star Trek First Contact Day, the 25th anniversary of the feature film Star Trek First Contact, which thankfully falls now during a virtual environment and can be another way to get some Star Trek content out there. Yeah, I have to say, Pete, looking at the lineup uh, when it was announced and, you know, even this morning, it was like, okay, I get it. It's an opportunity for Paramount Plus to say Paramount Plus a bunch of times and to get the talent to show up to say funny, funny story. And you can see other episodes on Paramount Plus. Um, which is to say, initially, I thought the lineup was a bit bare. I think fair is fair. One needs to look at these online uh, convention experiences at smaller times together. You don't want to sit there for the full hour and hear the full story of, of whatever. Um, this ended up being a delightful afternoon of Star Trek. And moving forward, if we are celebrating uh, in some capacity, either virtually or in person or hybrid or whatever, if we're celebrating First Contact Day, uh, in April and Star Trek Day in September, as well as, uh, you know, big conventions throughout the year and whatnot, all as places to deploy Star Trek news. Pete, there were good vibes on the internet today as people were talking about their, their, their fun Star Trek shows. Yes, and paired up with the hashtag Star Trek United Gives, the donations, a little nebulous where exactly they're going would hope for a little bit more transparency there but donating nonetheless and like you're saying yes it, it, understand that star trek it, in addition to the aspirational and the good vibes that it provides through the contents it is also a business and paramount plus's clear uh jewel in their crown so to funnel people to that makes sense and having just rebranded rebooted the network uh last month wise to time it so bravo on that uh i have to say that uh i watched all of the panels and for the most part really really appreciated it uh can we get this going now though can we get mika burton the daughter of lavar burton to be the sole host of these going forward uh meets the greatest criteria of a host asks a question, sits back, and lets the people talk. Yes, Mika Burton was genuine and authentic, even when given some of the phony baloney stuff, which I won't wait, pin wait, to her. Wait, what's what's? What, I'm getting something from the control room. Oh, <laughs> yes, control room. Like you, it's Star Trek. You can't do something in like wait. I'm getting some from Starfleet Command. Like it, it was, it, it was phoned in canned ham. Yes, um, and, and that's not necessarily the fault of of the talent that we saw on camera. I think you you do the best you can with ridiculous lines that some some person who thought they were going to be writing Casablanca uh, when they got to Hollywood, but instead are writing, you know. Next up, can't wait to wiggly woo the phaser beams onto the latest space duh. You know, like it's it was not great dialogue, I think is what we're trying to say, Pete. But um, yeah, she is fantastic. 
hopefully she sticks around, uh, particularly with a, a reinvigoration of the Star Trek convention experience, which is the last little bit of news uh, that they shared at the end of the panel. But Pete, should we go all the way to the beginning when SPS himself gave us some news? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I had followed, obviously, that there would be the day and the episodes and the panels. I didn't realize the first would basically be 12 to 13 minutes long, but it hits you right where you needed to uh, get the feels. Sir Patrick Stewart giving us a teaser. I didn't expect to see footage so soon of uh, Picard season two, the concept of time being essential here. Uh, and the uh, the Queen card turning into a Q, I think not really surprised anybody that Q, that John Delancey is back. Uh, the moment Guinan, Whoopi Goldberg, was announced, I think a lot of people were saying, what do, what do we want to see with Guinan? We want to see why she needed to bear her claws against Q way back when. Q who? Uh, and now I think we're, we're going to finally get that story. Yeah. I think the idea that Q will be in it was not earth shattering, but delightful nonetheless to have that confirmed. Uh, also maybe the hint of some sort of, you know, as you said, Pete time kind of being fluid at one point, they show a, an hourglass and the, the sand is going backwards and that sort of thing. So shades of you know do we get an all good things kind of season do we get to you know dust off the de-aging this and the the so on and so forth hey we're not going to have Jordy be in you know we don't have a Jordy spot in the current story but look we're now we're going to flash back to during the next generation movies or to encounter farpoint or earlier you know there's time travel is fun especially in star trek it gives you the ability to be serious and light at the same time and and that certainly was suggested honestly same thing with q both very very serious and a very funny character you know that picard has not been my most favorite of the recent crop of uh of star trek seasons that have been out and i think that i could see the right amount of q in there could could fix the uh fix the seasoning just right for me personally pete not that it's all about me you all go out and make the star trek you want to make I think it's really going to be a lot of fun. They gave us a date here of 2022. Not a surprise to anybody taking in all the uh, COVID situation. Frakes. uh, First time I've heard, Matt, the moniker to take Frakes was was thrown around uh, in a panel uh, after this. But uh, we know that he has directed uh, some Discovery Season 4. We'll talk about that in a minute. We know that he's doing, obviously, some direction for Picard. Hopeful that his character will show up as well uh, with Riker and hopefully some others. I was surprised we didn't get some others, but you let the Q announcement breathe and become its own. And then people spot people on the set and that'll all take care of that. Yeah, certainly exciting news there. Uh, Pete, the pattern would reveal itself that uh actually i kind of like it but the pattern would reveal itself that the most farthest out dates were announced first in terms of picard 2022 uh and then working oddly backwards from there uh i guess prodigy notwithstanding no date was given there uh but other than that um that was what they had to say with uh, sir patrick stewart's announcement up front what was the next panel so then we had the first uh, Mika Burton hosted panel. This was primarily 
uh, you know, creatives in terms of behind the camera stuff, uh, creating first contacts. And you had uh, costume designer Gersh Phillips from Star Trek Discovery. Uh, I have to imagine she'll be doing Strange New Worlds as well, but not announced just yet. Uh, senior concept designer Neville Page, visual effects supervisor Jason Zimmerman, and makeup and prosthetics department head James McKinnon, who works on Picard. And clearly, you know, those are the people behind the scenes that make the magic happen, make it all possible. And uh, always a ton of fun to hear about those uh, those still somewhat, I don't say solitary crafts, but kind of closed off crafts. You know, it, it, it's they're using skills that most of us can't even begin to uh, begin to imagine. What were some of the standouts uh, from that panel for you, Pete? For me, the big takeaway and listen, Gersha Phillips has just done a ridiculous job in terms of the amount. I mean, Mika Burton uh, mentioning that she's probably created the most costuming uh, as, as one person ever for Star Trek. And, and that alone in its 50 plus year history is important. Um, and just the way that she's, she's tackled some of these designs. And then, you know, we got to see with the discovery season four, uh, trailer they've they've already changed up the new uniforms a little bit i think improve them even more uh making the color pop but uh you know talking about the visual effects and though they'd uh behind the scenes and through back channels talked about it this was the first to my ears official word of the visual effects wall that discovery is using and you have to imagine that will be available for uh, Strange New Worlds and possibly Picard. I mean, why would you only keep it, uh, you know, over the border in Canada? And you could, Matt, why build one when you can have two for free or double the price? <laughs> yeah, I know that back, uh, I'd say, Pete, it's all a bit of a COVID era blur, but back when that uh, LED wall technology was really uh, kind of hitting the mainstream with Mandalorian stuff, I know Alex Kurtzman had expressed. Uh, a logical uh, interest in it, particularly with an eye towards uh, Pete. I don't want to say post-COVID because obviously we're, we're <laughs> things are not 100, percent but kind of some some post-lockdown mindset in terms of hey, that is a nice way to get your actor by themselves, but standing in front of a crowd, or it is a way to get your 80-year-old actor, you know, on a, on a location, but not transport them there. Just shoot what you need to shoot and get it on the LED wall and so forth. So. I mean, if nothing else, Pete, I, I think there's a there's a faux rivalry between Star Wars and Star Trek that might be amongst the fans, but not within the industry. And it's great to see some of that Star Wars technology, whether it's literally L, uh, ILM stagecraft or just, hey, I too can build an LED wall. I can try and build this from scratch. You know, it's great to see that that, that technology is flowing back and forth. Absolutely. And, you know, had seen some behind the scenes stuff recently. Oh, they're filming outdoors but wait, they got this wall. Why aren't they doing it all in front of the the, the wall? And, you know, you're never going to beat that authenticity. And they talked about the lighting and they, they talked about the ability to to do whatever and the, the way you can put the cameras on it and, you know, everything you can do there in the moment. Uh, Matt, there's a reason why Mandalorian went up a nearby mountain to film the tremendous episode with the return of Boba Fett and Fennec Shand and, you know, the, the Jedi seeing stone 
because you need to do that from time to time. You don't, because of the technology, just abandon the rest of the world. I mean, didn't we learn that in lockdown? <laughs> and certainly, too, and particularly for Star Trek, although, to be fair, Star Wars as well, if you're going to, you know, the planet of the, uh, you know, the, the green gas that hangs in the air and whatnot, okay, you don't need to go find a location. You're probably going to do that, you know, in, in the olden days, you'd go to the tried and true Planet Hell soundstage, uh, you know, the Paramount had, which sometimes was used as any time you saw a cave in the TNG DS9 Voyager era, the same caves over and over to the point that we all got ready to, you know, we, we all knew our way around the caves for, Planet, for whatever. Planet Hell, man, come on. <laughs> Absolutely. Um but, you know, you, you can make Planet Hell a lot more interesting to sit and go, all right, go instead of, you know, start working on your foam and your latex, go design the, the planet that's got whatever, you know, eel birds or things flying through the air. Put that up on the LED wall and have Patrick Stewart stand in front of that and go, look, the planet of the e the flying eel creature, you know, whatever it is, you can get that interactivity and get that kind of get out of not that it's a bad thing, but get out of the older way to do it and say, this is Star Trek. This is, you know, Strange New World, whether it's capital letters or lowercase letters. Let's go visit them and we can still visit them in the comfort of, you know, Southern California and uh, Toronto and so forth. The rest of that panel was largely boilerplate. Hey, what was your first contact with Star Trek? Everything like that. I did want to backtrack just a little so the 25th anniversary of First Contact, what they kind of built this around, other than the inclusivity of, you know, other species making contact with humanity in 2063, something, you know, hopeful vision for the future and all that. So talking about the uh, the feature film First Contact, and obviously you had Sir Patrick and uh, Jonathan Frakes and Brent Spiner, and they also had Alice Krieger, and I think... Uh, her inclusion in the panel was awesome. And I think it brought out one of the, the two greatest points of that panel, uh, her audition. She did not think she had done a great job in the audition and actually called them back and like, hey, I, I want to do it again. And they were like, yeah, and three weeks go by. And then, you know, she's finally hearing that she's got it. Uh, and Frank's on the other side of that, talking about having received her audition, having watched it, and um, when she called in, not uh, sure about it, you know, that, that they were so sure about that she had nailed the, the part of the Borg Queen. That's awesome. It's those, it's those types of stories that make panels like this, whether they're in person or virtual or whatever, that make them so great because it's that... You know, it's not just like, hey, I, I made a bunch of latex or, hey, I, I I put the camera here, I put the camera there. It's that kind of interpersonal stuff, the behind the scenes stuff that that is the real the real kind of uh, ethereal nature of film and television production. The two takes freaks moniker, Matt, uh, stems from the making of First Contact. So um, they'd call them one take freaks they would uh you know film a scene uh back when you were physically working with film and uh he'd say print it and it's his first feature film and they had pursued ridley scott and he didn't want to make the eighth star trek movie um although the idea of a of a you know star trek movie directed by the guy that did alien would be bonkers uh they went after john mctiernan obviously die hard 
for Die Hard on the Enterprise with Alien. Uh, but they got freaks. And the, the funny bit there, so uh, Sherry Lansing, the head of Paramount at the time, said to uh, Rick Berman that Sir Patrick, not yet Sir, had to be on board. So they went to lunch um, at a deli, at, I believe it was Jerry's Deli, and uh, uh, basically Sir Patrick said, you know, I had to go out to lunch with you just so it's official that, you know, I'm happy that you're directing. So of course I'm happy. And, and he got the shot, but, uh, two takes freaks. He's, he's told after, you know, his, he's just filmed his first feature scene, you know, long time director on the, on the show. And, uh, they come over to him and like, you need to do at least two for a feature. <laughs> so that's a name that stuck with him. I'd never heard that until today. Well, and part of me has to wonder, like, they hired a guy, they hired a longtime actor who had directed a bunch of Star Trek TV stuff as a novice director. It's his first movie. What exactly did you expect if not a TV pace? I mean, not that TV is exclusively one take, but like, like what did you expect from somebody who hasn't been on a movie, hasn't directed a movie before? Of course, he's going to try and go, all right, they've handed me all of this responsibility, all this budget and so forth. Uh, better keep it moving because back when back when we were doing the show, it was, you know, eight day shoots and that's it. Now there's some, you know, probably 50, 60, 70 day shoot here for the movies. I got to keep it moving for this thing unrails quickly. And I'm in the Hollywood reporter as, you know, uh, you know, number one fired, you know, fired out the photon uh, tubes for falling behind on the schedule and whatnot. Like it, again, it's this interpersonal stuff that makes panels like these. So fantastic where you hear, you hear these stories. And frankly, Pete, the fact that all these folks have been, off of the convention circuit for a while probably yeah. means that they can freshen stuff up because we have been to conventions. I won't say which, uh, which actress from D space nine recurring, uh, did the exact same panel two years in a row, beat for beat for beat down to, and now do you want to hear me pause, pause, sing, you know, like it was the same thing. It's great to hear these different stories. It is. And then, uh, the idea of being funny and later would recur with freaks in the other panel, uh, the, the second contact panel, the animation one, um, about, uh, funny, you know, that you never cut funny, that funny is money and that it was all there in the script. And they're, they're obviously not improvising because, you know, it's there. You have to do the, the stuff as it's put down, um, actually, uh, later on Wheaton would, would ask about improv in that animation panel. Um, but just the way, you know, that cast had so much fun and freaks, you know, that was, that's created as he indicated his, his career, uh, as a director. I mean, that film, and he's not done a ton of films. He's done far more TV, but this is a legitimate respected guy, not just in this sphere when it comes to this and, you know, that they pursued Sir Ridley and, you know, uh, we're even considering trying to get McTiernan, you know, in the not so far after diehard times, you know, I mean, geez, they're filming in 1995 and he had just put out the, the third diehard film. Um, but, you know, that was a film that there was an awful lot riding on. And the other thing Frakes talked about, I had never heard 
apparently there was a pitch for first contact. They knew it was going to be a time travel story and Berman and Brandon Braga and uh, Ron D. Moore were all on the same page with that. But uh, he mentioned Renaissance Italy and fighting the Borg with swords. And Frakes was super dismissive of that idea. And I think we understand why, because why did the Borg need swords and (laughs) would not have played out at all well and you know he is the biggest reason that film succeeds oh absolutely and i mean pete it's a little stunning to realize that 25 years have gone by since first contact came out uh that's i know that's just downright stunning uh believe me to to say the same you know i was geez i was in college um sophomore year of college and uh yeah yeah so the next panel was the women in motion panel uh obviously with a a big nod towards nichelle nichols and all the impact that she has had not just in uh perception in the world of entertainment but in uh in the world of uh, science and nasa and so forth as well i did not know about this coming uh documentary matt that's going to stream exclusively on paramount plus beginning june 3rd and i'm watching it that day this to me was the greatest panel of the day um and i don't think that's an easy thing to uh to give out uh you know with sonequa martin green and michelle heard always uh, elevates these things, but she was particularly elegiac today. Okay. Uh, you had, um, Dawn Lewis from lower decks. Okay. Who voices the captain. And then you had Issa Brignones. So Mika Burton hosting this one and, you know, the representation that this had here. I mean, to me, I think Dawn Lewis was the, the brightest, point only because we've seen heard you know crush these things so many times and she's you know always great but dawn lewis talking about you know growing up in bedford stuyvesant and you know going to hollywood to be in a different world and she talked about well hey i went through the old photo albums you know when we put photos in albums and she had uh you know printed Uh, pictures of Nichelle Nichols when Dawn Lewis first came to Hollywood and what a big deal it was that uh, Nichelle Nichols knew who she was on this NBC sitcom and these just uh, luminous photos of them, you know, backyard, driveway in front of a car, uh, you know, Nichols, you'll you'll remember the scene in Star Trek Five, Matt, the the fan dance. Oh yeah. Okay, let's just say it looked a lot like she was prepping for that scene because Nichelle Nichols, okay, uh, the screen important person that she is, and then this luminous being off screen, and obviously the source of this documentary and her influence in terms of uh nasa the stem field all of this and dawn lewis talking about how she went to the red carpet for the hidden figures film uh and there were current nasa uh you know engineers techs even of color 
who did not know the hidden figures story and how important that type of stuff is. You know, we all know the story. If you, if you don't know it, you know, Nichelle Nichols getting the, the call from Martin Luther King, don't leave Star Trek. It's too important that people would see a black woman in the future. But the idea that she took on the mantle of influencing the space agency in terms of diversity and people like her literally reaching the stars. I just I'm, I'm bowled over by the magnitude of this documentary. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, certainly an effervescent panel, uh, one that one that I think was rightly at the core of the five, just in terms of, you know, look, it's, it's fine that that they said, you know, before and after every panel, they said, you know, Star Trek on Paramount Plus, they said it the, the requisite number of times and so forth. You know, as you said, Pete, Star Trek is is a business in addition to other things. Uh, but this this really the heart of the the heart of the afternoon. They may have abandoned money and currency in the future, but they, they still need to make a little now. Um, you know, some other highlights there. Uh, Michelle Hurd talked about how obviously Michelle Nichols was the most influential performer to come into her home as a child, you know, of a, of a, a mixed family um, and what Star Trek meant in terms of that representation. But, you know, talking about to a, a panel as diverse as this was, and it's not just about in front of the camera now, it's about that diversity behind the camera and what those stories uh, mean and being able to do that. Uh, Sonequa Martin-Green mentioned, and she's told this story before too, you, you've probably heard it, of uh, you know, the blessing that Nichelle Nichols gave her and, and whispering to her that you know this is yours now to take care of it. But I found it really poignant that Issa Brignones, I mean, Matt, we lose sight. This woman is 22 years old, which means that she was in her late teens when she was cast for Star Trek Picard. Okay. And this a woman born in, in London, but of, you know, Filipino and of several other uh, ethnicities and, you know, that she was in Hamilton that, that heard and what was great, even through the Zoom, you could see that Heard has been a tremendous influence for this young woman in, as far as her development uh, and talking about, you know, well, Soji would would want and get this. Therefore, I need to to get this and, and you know, her agency there and, and how important that was that she had been in Hamilton and that she gets cast in, in Star Trek and sci fi. Certainly not something that was ever on her radar and, until this. Uh, and you sensed a little bit, you know, she said something real quick. She wished the rest of Hollywood would learn a little bit from Star Trek. So, you know what? Yes, that's absolutely true in terms of, you know, if you are sleeping on Issa Brignones, who's in Star Trek now, but she's going to be in other things, sleep no more. Pete, that diversity, those, those different types of backgrounds of stories and whatnot, so, so important to every Star Trek experience. What was the next panel and who was in it? <laughs> Bunch of dudes. Will Wheaton did note that they were diverse because some of them had beards. Hey, you don't need to read every line that they give you 
as the host, you can sometimes say, can we can we punch this up a little bit? I don't know. Can we get Paul F. Tompkins in here to punch up the dialogue a little bit? They Before were the- supposed to have Tawny Newsom, and they noted that she's busy and she's fancy and she couldn't make it. But it, it further drew. And then you draw the attention to the white dudes, some with beards thing. It was a fine panel coming off the aspirational one before tough act certainly uh but yeah i I don't think you need to read everything that's written down for you also i think the editing done in this panel was evident i will just say that as we continue with our podcast here having made like two edits in the last 28 minutes but i digress pete Uh, to me first of all this was the topic of this panel being being what it was uh the, what was it second what was the exact title of it this one was second contact second contact uh, to me it felt a little nebulous was it maybe an excuse to get frakes and spiner in there along with paul f Tompkins, who we are going to mention is the co-host of the official star trek podcast yeah. um as well as get mike mcmahon in there in order to talk about the the new season of lower decks and whatnot if it was a bit of a mishmash, so be it. Those are all great people to have uh, all there and assembled. Uh, to me, I mean, to me, the, the the little stories popped a little less here. You know, the fun, the fun behind the scenes stuff. Uh, so I don't know, Pete, if you want to head straight to talk about some lower deck stuff, or or if you want to hit some other things along the way. Well, I think it's important to mention that they're they're deep into production. Uh, we were shown a, a trailer. No specific date oh no we did get a specific date august 12th right uh, absolutely 21 we did i'm sorry i'm i was thinking of of prodigy and and therein i think lies a little bit of the issue stacking the animation animation is fine and you know we are fully on board with uh, lower decks and podcasted it and we'll continue to and really really enjoyed it and certainly going to give prodigy the shot um but I'm wary they're going to bunch the animation together. Um, They've talked about the model going forward of Star Trek every quarter. And um, I'm encouraged that they didn't. I was concerned they were going to say Prodigy first, Lower Decks, then Discovery, then Picard. And you're, you're stacking like with like, I think you've, you've got to mix it up. I think you got to give different looks beyond the different series. Um, I think it's a real concern, and I, I think if Paramount is not careful with that, you know, like its infrastructure, they could have another problem. Well, two thoughts. First is we've seen with Disney Plus how there's the AAA stuff, uh, and then there's stuff that. Are you trying to say that somehow the Mighty Ducks series has been overshadowed by the most watched TV show in the world, which we also podcast? Pete, look, they didn't have The Mandalorian come out the same time as a Marvel show. They haven't had Marvel shows uh, come out at the same time as Star Wars stuff. But yes, the fact that Falcon the Winter Soldier comes out, then a week or two later, the Mighty Ducks show starts. It shows you which one is in, you know, uh, to stick with some Disney language here, which one is the e-ticket and which one is less so. And that's no disrespect to the Mighty Ducks. I mentioned that by way of saying 
you know, is it possible the Prodigy comes out in parallel to some of to one of these other shows? That's fine, Star Trek every quarter, but Prodigy, you know, are we going to hold up Picard in January um, so the Prodigy can do its ten episode run or whatever it's going to be? Uh, I feel like probably not. It could be a case of I think it will be between now that they didn't announce it. That we've not even seen footage. I and I think it's the right move. I think you'll go Lower Decks in August. You'll go Discovery at some point in the fall. You'll go uh, Prodigy, and then I, I think it'll be around this time next year that we're getting Picard. Well, and on the topic of timeline, uh, so we have a, a Lower Decks uh, Sizzler that's put out there. I mean, you got the Mugatu. You got you. You have eighteen thousand references in about ten seconds. Yeah. Just looks like the show is back in the full form that it was basically all of its first season uh, i will mention pete so yes yeah, starting august 12th that means it wraps up october 14th uh using the and that, by, by the way <laughs> go to go to your calendar for the billing cycle <laughs> well yeah that's just that is precisely what i'm doing first of all i'm glad to see that um i'm glad to see that they're sticking with the the thursdays i feel like that just makes sense for star trek also pete probably it uh portends for us a star trek saturday podcasting of that um, which also works out well when Disney puts stuff on a Friday, because then we can do, you know, whether it's Marvel or Star Wars uh, on Sundays and, you know, so on and so forth. But, yeah, doing some math here. So if it wraps up on the 14th, okay, one, two, three, wait, hold on, one, two, three, four. So I would tentatively imagine that you get uh, Discovery starting somewhere in the uh, November 11th or November 18th slot, um, which... Uh, Pete, didn't we have Star Trek for Thanksgiving last year too? I, I we think did, quite... yeah. Okay. And and that four season trailer that Sonequa Martin Green ended that uh, previous panel with uh, really really sizzles um, really far along in terms of the amount that they showed you. I mentioned before with Gershaw Phillips uh, design, particularly the uniforms, and they went to the thirty second century uniforms at the end of the season primarily gray she told an anecdote uh you know so they, they make the design of the uniforms and then they get them on set and the walls and they kind of blended in so uh, i think an additional reason for some uh design you know matt has his own theory which i tend to uh put some stock into as well about some camera testing obviously covid uh affected there but, uh, you know, the the colors going with the traditional red and gold and, and blue and then a little bit of black now on uh, those uniforms and this big threat, Matt, that could hit at any time. And they really sell you on that from the start here. Yeah, apparently. Look, I'm sure there's already people chirping online, but apparently the big threat being, oh, man, it's like a lot of gravity. Um that's just fine for me for a show that, yeah. you know, it, it's closer than Thanksgiving than not. Then we're going to be seeing more about this. And it's going to be, Pete, what is the origin of the Gravotron? You know, uh, <laughs> is it gravi is it Gravitanium? Uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, that's just fine for now. I would expect somewhere in the summer, maybe, Pete, around the time of digital San Diego Comic-Con. That's when you sit and go, oh, my goodness, Pete, they got name person who's playing the Admiral voice Thrones. of gravity. Yeah, exactly. The voice <laughs> of gravity or the, you know, the whatever giant it is. green hand, Matt, we're finally getting the giant green hand that shakes the ship. 
this does track with some behind the scenes stuff that I had gotten that they messed up the ship intentionally, that they flip it over, that they're walking around on the ceiling of the bridge. And you see a little bit of that going on with visual effects work in the trailer. So I'm completely here for that. Yes, I could I could absolutely conceive where some haters who have already said there'll be no Picard season two, who have already said uh, Strange New Worlds is nothing but a marketing ploy to get investors to back Paramount Plus, uh, that Discovery season three is the last season of Discovery. The sets have been struck. <laughs> all all this nonsense that is repeatedly and the accounts that exist on Twitter merely to play back the audio and, and some video of a moron saying this with the announcement of the thing actually happening and the and the proof of it is is sublime. Uh and the internet never loses. So uh yeah, I'm I'm completely here for it. My appetite is absolutely wet for uh Star Trek Discovery season four. I feel like we're we're gonna get it in a quicker time frame, COVID included, than we've gotten any other season. Pete, next up was a uh, first contact opportunity with Prodigy, the gentleman behind it, and Kate Mulgrew, of course. Uh, what was the big takeaway, the big news from that panel? I thought we were going to get a date. I thought we were going to get footage. We had seen to this point the motley crew of uh, you know kids who are going to find a Federation vessel and thereby learn about uh, star trekking. Uh, but they had Kate Mulgrew debut the design of her character and Matt, some news there, a hologram. Yes. She's playing the, the hologram version of Janeway to help guide these kids in their own, uh, adventure in the Delta quadrant. So Pete, I guess points given for the notion that you kind of get a, a spiritual successor to discovery taking place in the Delta quadrant. So potentially to get, you know, your Kazon reference and so on and so forth. That's the, that's, that's the plus points. What were some minus points that you heard about on the internet? Personally, I'm concerned about the perception that Janeway will be presented as a hologram, as a slight, uh, you brought Sir Patrick back corporally and, if you've seen that show, you know what happened there, but you got to remember he, he was involved in terms of, you know, he's in the writing room and he's a producer. Um, Mulgrew was a big get to bring back and is the name tethering this series, which was originally supposed to go to Nickelodeon and now we'll go Paramount plus and then to Nickelodeon. So you're going to pay for it first and then it'll go over the air. But um, to, to do it, as a essentially a recording, I, I think there's a lot of Janeway fans who were super stoked. We got her back. Yes. And now it's in some way a, a lesser form. I, I want to be wrong on this. I hope I'm wrong on it. Um, but I, I just feel like why couldn't have been her? You, you couldn't have said it at a time when it, it, it could be her. I mean, I'm sure there's story reasons for it. We're not aware of them yet. That's where some footage really would have helped. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's a little bit of a downer to end the, the day on. 
Pete, this just in from the Guardian of Forever. I've just seen the last couple pages of the season finale for uh for prodigy uh you'll never guess what happened they got back from the delta <laughs> quadrant who do you think met them that's right real life albeit animated real life 2380s or, or wherever we're at in the timeline for prodigy uh janeway herself and they could say oh da, da, da. and so I, I bet you i bet you that that's baked into it there's the want and then you're going to get the want at the end of the first season there but wait pete speaking of the end of things uh that was the end of the prodigy panel but there was one more bit of info when uh the luminescent mika burton and will wheaton had more to say uh yeah talking about business right um yeah specifically the team up between star trek and read pop the uh the company that does new york comic-con uh c2e2 in chicago and so forth that they uh, have teamed up for star trek conventions that uh, april of 2022 there will be star trek mission chicago now pete longtime listeners know we were at the first read pop uh star trek convention star trek mission new york uh 20- the only mission launched that i'm aware of right um i know that there's been some star trek mission conventions in the uk i must confess i don't know whether that was read pop or not but this is, star trek mission chicago definitely will be the second uh read pop star trek convention in the united states uh we having been at the first and pete i can unabashedly you know i'll repeat what i said on twitter which is the star trek convention going experience will only be improved by the involvement of read pop a company that genuinely is concerned about fan experience not yeah i mean look these are expensive propositions and they're 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 uh you know they're there to make some money but they're not concerned about what can we do to make you feel bad that you didn't spend more money right you know the diamond latinum seats excuse me ma'am you you can't sit here so take your walker and move five rows back Yes, don't you understand? Those are blue stickers, not red stickers. You're not allowed in any stickers because your badge doesn't have any sticker. Read Star Trek conventions are going to be better. I mean, obviously, yeah. most important is the panel, the host, the talent. You know, not for nothing. I'm sure all the talent is like uh, $10,000 to go to Chicago to talk about a thing and then sign some uh, autographs at, you know, $75 a pop and do some more pictures for $100 a pop. Yes, please. Cash is nice, thank you. Uh, but but beyond that, I mean, we've heard we've heard many of these actors say how they really miss physically interacting. I mean, it's not physically, physically, but being in the same room as these fans to really hear these genuine stories that you get out of Star Trek, unlike many many other fandoms, where people can say, "You and your story and your show fundamentally changed the trajectory of my life." That's part of what the talent gets out of these conventions, yeah. and just. Super excited that Star Trek and Repop have teamed up. Yeah, I think they're in really, really expert hands. I mean, you know, New York Comic Con is the the one we have attended by far the most. And with each passing incarnation, only bettered fan experiences. They went head to head with San Diego. So, yeah, I, I see that as only being the, the right way to go. Uh Matt, I mean, it, it's a shame it took this long for this creation. <laughs> well, certainly, yes. People were people online were saying, but wait, what about Las Vegas? 
yeah, creation lost the lost the license. The writing has been on the wall for a while. I think just the the transaction was put on pause by COVID. Pete, a question for another day. Uh, in 368 days, Fantastic Geek road trip to Chicago? Something to consider, I think. I, hey, I'd be down for that creation, too. <laughs> Pete, any other things that you want to hit on from this? Uh, this ultimately, you know, we started out with the perception, oh, this is kind of like all oh, corporate man, and this is, they're going to feed us, you know, to say Paramount Plus a bunch of times and tell us to subscribe, and, you know, it's going to be all kind of, you know, Put together and say say your sound bites. This was an effervescent experience. This this first contact day. Any other thoughts from it? I mean, they definitely gave you your vegetables, but in a palatable way. And you know, like I said, for me, that aspirational panel in the in the smack dab in the middle there, too smartly placed um, with the woman in motion, uh, documentary coming June 3rd. And I just cannot wait to get my hands on that, um, and, and see that story and, and have that story told and, and out there. Uh, so might even be worth going back to, to watch the recordings of these panels just for that. It was that good. Absolutely. And of course we will continue to have our sensor sweeps for further Star Trek news, uh, particularly so now that we have this date of August 12th for the convergence of Fantastic Geek and Star Trek as Lower Decks returns. And, uh, of course, Pete, this whole experience made possible by those who support us on Patreon.com. Speaking of eating your vegetables. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, at um, Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek, you set the value you place upon the podcast takes us a dollar to get you in that door uh and then all sorts of tiers to contribute at can't contribute at this time and we absolutely understand during the pandemic get yourself over to apple Podcasts where you can leave a rating in seconds or a review in a little bit longer to any of our at current 21 podcast feeds well, Pete, we want to continue to make first contact with all the listeners out there. So how can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 11,904 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a PH, all one word, like it today. We will keep those Star Trek sensors looking for new news about all these shows and certainly update our feeds accordingly. For now, though, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final First Contact Day word. Live long and prosper. <laughs>